Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Ute Dash. I am one of your hosts, Sammy Mora, the sports editor for the Daily Utah Chronicle on the campus of the University of Utah. And today, as always, I am joined by the lovely Cole Bagley. Cole, how are you? Uh, I'm excited, Sammy. I think there's a really good chance that we will get to see our U boys play at Rice Eccles this weekend. I really do. It's a very good chance. Very good. We'll get to that. Actually, let's just jump into it. It goes in with this topic. Did the Pac-12 rush into this 2020 season? Because from our perspective here at Utah, it's kind of feeling that way. It is. Yeah, and Sammy, you know, in one of our first episodes of, of Ute Dash, we, we talked about the initial uh, response that the Pac-12 had to shutting down the, the, the season and delaying to spring. And, a, and um, my initial thought there was that that was not the right decision. Um, I will stand by that. However, this reaction to it, jumping in late in the game, just to not be the last power five conference to not play seemed like a, a publicity stunt and they just didn't want to be the last one, you know, and it's just been, in my opinion, a, a disaster. It's been terrible. We've been, the conference has been playing for three weeks now, and we've already had five games canceled. Five, yeah, Cal, Cal and Washington, Utah, Arizona. Yeah, and then two, la- two more last week, and then already the ASU-Colorado game this week. Mm-hmm. So there's already been five games canceled. Over half of the conference has been affected by this. Like, it's not a good, they're not in a good spot. Like, they just wanted... They didn't want to be the only P5 who didn't play because then because everyone already talks crap on the Pac-12 as it is yep. as like a joke. And they're like, well, we can't be the joke again and we can't be in the wrong with this, too. Like we have to be playing. Otherwise, we're going to be missing out. And like, yes, I understand all of these schools. We're going to lose lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money for this. But at the same time, like you got to think about these players, health and safety over health and safety over anything. And at this point. Utah's going to be lucky to play four games, in my opinion. Like, they need to, like, play this week. They're not, they're probably not going to play next week against Arizona State, given how things are going down, how things are going down in Tempe. There's, they're going to play four games. And at this point, they're just a bunch of exhibition games for me. Like, there's not, just get the, get, just get the young guys some reps and let's just start fresh next year. Yeah. And, you know, there, there may be people that would argue, well, if, you know, if we delay till spring, we'd be the only conference that's doing that. Yeah, of course, they'd be the only Power Five. They wouldn't be contending for a college football playoff, and they wouldn't get a bowl game. You know what? I don't know if a lot of those things are going to happen anyways. I don't really see a Pac-12 team uh, qualifying for the college football playoff. And even if they do, we can't even get through our conference games. How do we expect to travel across the country and to play against teams like Alabama or Notre Dame or something like that, regardless if it's Utah or Oregon or at USC, whoever, that's not going to happen. And the same goes for the bowl games. You don't, I don't know how many bowl games are legitimately going to happen. I mean, I think the college football playoff semifinal bowl games will take place and maybe the Rose bowl and things like those that. New Year's but, six, those New Year's six games are going to yeah. happen. I don't think they're going to happen around new year's. I think they're going to, they might push them back. Right. And you know, as well, the you know the tv deals and such but it's like hey if you push to spring 
maybe maybe at that point the virus isn't as bad as it is now. Maybe by then, you know, states like Utah and Arizona, their cases would be going down, and they could have set a, a more strategic plan and learned from some of these other conferences how to do it or how not to do it, and have played out every single Pac-12 game, had a Pac-12 champion, um, and that would have been the end of it. But for right now, it's just it's an absolute mess. And I every single champion, I think needs to have an asterisk by their name this year. That's that's a hot take. Call me crazy, but even the national champion needs to have an asterisk by their name because at the end of the day, no, there's not one team probably going to play a full schedule. Hmm. Everyone's going to be affected across the country, not just in the Pac-12. Across the country, everyone is going to be affected by this, and there's no way that anyone plays a full schedule. And it's just, at this point, I would rather take a spring season. I would have rather, I would have enjoyed a spring season rather than having constant heartache every single week, sitting by my, my phone refreshing my email and refreshing Twitter between 12 and one to see if my game is happening, if Utah's playing. And it's like, it's like Devin Lloyd and the rest of the guys talked about media availability today. Like it's not only draining on them physically, but mentally, like to be preparing for these teams and preparing for these games and then having it, having it ripped out from underneath you at the last minute, mm-hmm. that's gotta, that's gotta mess with you up here. And like Devin said, he's like, we got to make sure that the guys aren't like slipping into depression. Like this could make them depressed. This could like mess with everything. I think if it gets to the point where there are more games canceled than that are being, then more games are being canceled than are being played. Just, just throw in the towel. Just call it like, no one's going to be, no one's going to be upset with you. Pac-12. No one's going to be upset. Everyone's going to be like, oh, well, at least they tried. Well, and I think everybody's kind of laughing at the Pac-12 right now anyways. I mean, pe- people are continually talking about um, how just, uh, you know, unfortunate, but how kind of embarrassing it is. I mean, you look at the other Power Fives, and for whatever reason, they're not having the same issues that the Pac-12 is. Um, and a lot of that has to do with some of the states that, you know, the schools are in. I mean, Utah's just not in a good place right now. You're not going to be able to produce football games when there's so many cases occurring in the state. Um, but yeah, Sammy, I agree with you. Even if the spring season was just four games, I would prefer a consistent four-game season because some people argue, you know, a oh, spring season wouldn't have been as doable because you're not going to get them to play two seasons in one year, which I, I could probably agree with. But I would have taken a, a four-game season, just letting these guys get some reps, letting them play, even if they didn't, even if they didn't want to do a Pac-12 championship, just to be consistent to make sure the players are safe to do it right and to figure it out. Because what if this happens again next year? What if the virus isn't, isn't completely gone? You know, we might be dealing with, with seasons like this for another year or so. I, I just, I don't know at this point, like I want Utah football. I want to watch the U boys play. And I just want to see football here in Utah because I know how much Utah fans have wanted it because we're watching teams around us in the same state playing and it's getting hard to watch. And I think one of the other big things that people said about against the spring season was opt-outs because a lot of these guys are going to want to prepare for the NFL draft. And the NFL's already said they're not moving their, their draft. They're not moving their combine. They're not moving anything to accommodate for that. So you're going to see, we're seeing a lot of opt-outs as it is, but we were going to see tenfold when if they move this to a spring season. And it's just, 
like the Pac-12 is already a joke as it is because we're already like it's the, the call in the Oregon State game last week made national news because of how bad it was. Like the Pac-12 is just setting themselves up for humiliation every single week. Like until we can get rid of Larry Scott, there's no way people can take the Pac-12 seriously. Well, it's just it's it leads to the disrespect and the fact that just nobody really takes the Pac-12 as serious than the other uh, compared to the other Power Five schools. Now, I've seen a lot of people questioning, you know, does the season finish? At this point, I think it will. I think there's just too much at stake. They've they've already, you know, you're already going. You might as well at this point just finish it unless, I mean, they have a week where every single game is canceled. That's the only way I see if they just call it where it'd be like, okay, every single game's canceled. We don't have a single team that, that can that can play. And with the quarantine and isolation rules, that's probably, I mean, you're looking at, you're looking, we have at seen. two plus weeks. Yeah, we've seen the effects at Utah with missing our first two games. Now, you know, this third week is our real, is our real chance, real opportunity to to actually play hopefully USC is in a good place so that you know I mean it would just be really unfortunate if we're ready to go and they're not and, you, and they're not 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 to blame USC or blame anybody I mean we've we've been the team that hasn't been ready to go the last two weeks but it just it would really stink um but another thing is Sammy are there other possible ways that they can carry out the season are there is there anything they're doing wrong or that, that they could be doing better to to really help this season finish out I don't like the thing is, is you can't put these kids in a bubble. Like this isn't the NBA. A lot of these schools don't have the financial resources. And also conferences aren't going to want to pay for that. Student athletes are supposed to be treated the same way as a normal student and normal students aren't being put in bubbles to, to do their things. So we, the Pac-12 thought that having like this daily, like rapid testing was going to like solve a lot of these issues, but I don't think it's, it's working. And there's not a lot I think that they can do because and, like, people brought up, like, the MLB, how the MLB had that little, like, had that surge in cases, like, towards the beginning of stuff, but how they were able to get it under control. I just don't see how that, how college athletics will be in the same boat as MLB. Well, rapid testing doesn't keep it somebody from getting COVID. It just yeah. helps us to know that they have it sooner rather than later. Um, the only solution that I've seen that I think could potentially be possible is just putting every single team in on-campus dorms and just not letting them leave campus for the next month, finish out the season. Because like, you know, athletic director Mark Harlan said, it seems to be that these cases are happening because of um, the players being involved in the community and not even necessarily the players going and going to parties and things like that. Just, I mean, they could simply be going to the grocery store. Yeah. You go to the grocery store, you touch the wrong item, somebody that had COVID suddenly you've got it and then you're on the team and you know you might touch one of your teammates or something like that you're breathing you're sweating tackling these guys and you give it to them and then it's game over also like if you're asymptomatic Mm -hmm. and you don't know it and you pass it to one of your teammates like it's a it's a big it's a big mess like honestly (sighs) i don't I don't know how what the Pac-12 is doing, and I think we can both agree that they fully rushed into this. Yep. But we're remaining optimistic here on Ute Dash. Things are looking up. Things are looking better. So, hypothetically, 
but also thinking about it. This will be Utah's first game if they play USC on Saturday at 8.30 Mountain Time on ESPN at Rice Cycle Stadium. How do you feel about this, Cole? Because I have some, I have some, I have some very strong opinions about this one. Well, I hope the game happens. Um, Correct. That's a, that's a good first point. I hope it happens. I'm, I'm confident that it's going to happen. I think Utah will be ready. The only question is, will, will USC? I think, I think they will. Um, but comparing how I saw USC before the season to now. I don't think they're as scary as I originally thought. I, and, you know, I mean, this game could go so many different ways, depending on who's available on both sides. Um, but I'd say that USC is lucky to be 2-0. They should have lost to ASU. They've, they barely survived an Arizona team that has struggled immensely the last few seasons. They're just they're not quite as elite as I expected them to be. Um, however, they, they do have two games of experience to Utah's zero. and that could be a big determining factor in, in, in who wins the football game. But on the flip side, Utah has two games of tape to watch on USC, while USC doesn't even know who's taking the snaps for Utah. Those are some, those are some big brain big brain moves with those, because that's how, my two. Okay. Yes, USC won both of their first games, their first two games, but how – my big thing about the Arizona game is since that was Arizona's first game, how good is Arizona versus how was, was USC just kind of underestimating what Arizona was capable of doing? That's, that's my thing. But one of my other big things about this game is we don't know who's going to be available for Utah and who's not. So we could literally be running out there with a scout team quarterback, which it's not looking like that. Whittingham said today that a lot of, the starters are coming back and a lot of like position groups are getting better. So we're having less and less walk-ons and scout team players taking second string, like two deep reps. Yep. So that's, that's good, but we don't know who's going to be out there. We could be playing a four string quarterback and a hodgepodge defense mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, I played, it's like a wide receiver who played corner in high school for like three games. We don't know what, it, what this Utah team is going to look like. And even if this Utah team was 100% healthy, we still don't know what this Utah team is going to look like because we've seen nothing. But I will say, it's looking like, from what Witt has said today at his press conference, it looks like a lot of the position groups that we were kind of worried about these two weeks that they haven't played have actually benefited them, which is, that's music to my ears. That's making me feel good about what's going on. But I'm still scared <laughs> because I don't know how, Ke- how, this Ke- how Keaton Slovis is going to be against this young Utah secondary. Because we had a very experienced secondary last year, most of which who are now playing in the NFL, and Matt Fink torched them last year. Matt Fink torched that defense. How is Keaton Slovis, who everyone says is like, re- like a really good quarterback, which he is, how is he going to fare against this Utah secondary? Also, his wide receivers are so good. So good. I, I, I've talked about this so many times, about how 
not worried I am, but how much concern I have for this Utah secondary. And I think this was like my worst case scenario was like us starting the season against USC. But I have faith that it's not going to, it, it might be a blowout, but I don't think it's going to be like in extremely bad because from seeing how USC is played, it's kind of like, are they are they as good as we all thought they were? Yeah, and and something that's interesting to kind of you know if you're examining USC's first two games, I don't think their defense is really anything special. Um, they've allowed a lot of points um, through the first two games, and against you know I mean Arizona State's pretty good. Um, they did put up 27 points, but they I mean they allowed Arizona. 30 and not that that's a ton but that is way more than I expected that Arizona team to do especially against USC and and the other thing about USC is I feel like their offense is so hot and cold drive drive to drive you know possession Mm -hmm. to possession they're kind of like Utah where it takes a couple it takes a couple drives to get them going right but at the same time there's also there's a, they're in the, you know, they could be in the, I feel like with Utah in, in, in past seasons, especially last, once Utah was rolling, they were going, there was, and they didn't take the foot, they didn't take their foot off the gas. Right. There very rarely was a hiccup. Whereas, especially against Arizona, USC, the second half just wasn't that impressive to me. And there were, there were several three and outs. Um, but what they did do is when they needed a touchdown, they were able to get it. They, were able to drive down at the end of the game and score with pretty much no time remaining on the clock. And it was, I, I don't know if they dropped any passes. I mean, they were lasers and they were bringing them in and they were bringing them in and going, stepping out of bounds to stop the clock and they scored and they won the game. So I don't know. It's, I, I think it could potentially be a shootout here and whichever defense is, Whichever offense is on the field last. Yep, is going to win the football game. I can see that happening. I think that we've talked about this Utah offense before and how there's so many weapons to use at their disposal. And I think that this, seeing how USC's defense has been, I think that they have they have a pretty good chance. And I think we've been so blessed to be able to rely on our defense to win a lot of games for us in years past. But I think that this year, especially with the first two games being canceled and we needed those first two games to kind of fine tune some things with our deep, with the defense. I think that having an offense who can put up points is going to benefit us in the, and especially in this game, I think it's going to benefit a lot. Yeah. And it's, you know, kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier, these two weeks, is there bad that come from this? Yes. We didn't, there, we're two weeks behind in in game experience on-field experience there's a lot of freshmen they're going to be getting that are going to be getting reps and time especially on that defensive side um but it's also two weeks to learn it's two weeks to get that much better to be prepared to perfect and to watch and to know how usc is going to play their game to how they're going to react what to look for and they have they have no idea they have absolutely no idea who who our stars are you know what to expect and who the quarterback is Exactly. And so 
you know, Sammy, I'm just excited for Utah football. I'm just going to finish with that. I'll take Utah football wherever I can get it at this point. Like I'm back to rewatching clips on YouTube of just to, <laughs> just to get my fix. But the last thing I will, I will say before we move on to our, our final topic, which Cole and I are very excited about today is I think it's going to benefit Utah that we have two weeks of film on USC and they have none on us, oh, especially sure. with such a young team. For sure. So sound the alarms, you guys. Sound the Utah alarms. Utah recruiting has done it again. Light the U. Just light, light the, the U. Great day to be a U. Light the U. Flash the U. Sound the alarms. Scally, Swan, and Wit have done it again, guys. So last Thursday, back when things were really happy in Utah land, and we had the idea that we were playing UCLA, we got a huge commitment, Cole. Yes, we did. Like a huge commitment. So many of you Utah fans know out there, Ethan Calvert committed to Utah. I'm so happy about this. Oh, okay. So he's a four-star linebacker from Westlake, Westlake Village, California. He's 6'3", 220, or 230. Big boy. Huge. Here's the thing. Here's the, here, here's the best part. Cole, are you ready for the best part of this? Yes. He is the number three linebacker in the country, according to 24-7. And the number nine player in the state of California, according to 24-7 Sports. That is chef's kiss. Beautiful. Bravo. Bravo, Utah football. Bravo. Very well done. Very well. Cool. What are your thoughts on this lovely commitment? So, to be honest, I, I am still learning. I am still a... Padawan, a youngling, whatever you want to call me, as far as recruiting goes, I'm learning. I'm getting there. Am I? Am I? I'm, I'm Obi Wan. Then is that yes. how this this yes. works? Yes, you are the master. Um, I'm learning, and I did see the commit, the commitment, and but I didn't really know much about this kid. I mean, I saw his height and his weight. And I thought that's a big boy, um, and then I was able to watch his high school tapes. I was losing my mind. I am so excited. This might be one of the best linebacker recruits we have ever had. Oh, at yeah. least at least for the last 10, 15, 20 years. He is a beast. He's so good. And He's so good. just just let you guys know who we beat out. We beat out USC. Who was leading in his in his recruitment for a long time. Yes. We beat out Boise State. BYU, but that one's that's a given. Arizona and Cal. LSU, Oregon, Michigan, and Ohio State also. So yeah, th- those ones were a little bit lower on the list, but yes, those were several. But for me, beating out USC is huge. To land a four-star recruit from California, to convince him to com- to come to a completely other state, he's to a different program with not with not as much of a history. As, as USC, especially in the Pac-12, that is big. Wit and Scally, Swan, you guys, thumbs up. A plus. Like I said earlier, like, just like the U over this. This is a big win. I mean, I'm huge. sad that we didn't play UCLA, but this is, this is huge for the program. Also, can we talk about how he's now the third highest rated prospect to commit to Utah? Third. So we have Clark Phillips. 
We signed him last year, CP3. He is the highest rated prospect in Utah history. And then we have Calvert. And then we have James Iono. That's that's a good that's that's good. I like that. Also, Utah shot up those rankings, those conference rankings when his commitment came through. We went to number five in the conference. And I think number 33 overall in the nation. That's Chef's Kiss. Beautiful. Did he's a hard-hitting linebacker and he can get downfield fast. I really like his size because he's going to be able to match up really well against tight ends and running backs in coverage. It's going to be so good. I his tape. If you Utah fans, if you haven't watched his tape, do, do yourself right a favor. Now. Do yourself a favor. Google him. Find his huddle. His junior. His junior year tape. It is so beautiful to watch. I got chills watching it. I was like, ooh, yay. Well, he is just, Sammy, he is big. But not only is he big, he is powerful and he is fast. And his mm-hmm. football IQ is just absolutely fantastic. Watching his tapes, this kid makes a lot of solo tackles. And tackling, ta- the word tackle is an understatement. This kid obliterates. Oh, just picking him up and backs. just. Seriously, he is lifting these guys off the ground. I'm like, that kid's not getting up. He he puts them down. And it, it's also what I love is watching him. He's able to accurately read the offense. He finds the holes that they're coming through, and he meets them right at the door. They come through, and they have 230 pounds to answer to. And most of the time, they're going backwards. Oh, yeah. And so he just he finds those holes, and he makes the tackle. and. Just like I said, just how he watches and he reads, this kid has got s- such a high ceiling, and he is going to do an- amazing things with the coaches at Utah. I'm so excited. I will say that my one of my other things is he has two older brothers who play football. One of his brothers plays at Washington, and the other one plays at UCLA. So football's in his blood, and excited. I can't remember who are the. I text when when this commitment came through. I texted Cole, you know, as one does. Um, and I said, I compared him to a, a hybrid of Cody Barton and Francis Bernard, France. Yeah. Francis Bernard. I think he has, he is, he's a perfect hybrid of those two. He has the hard hitting abilities of Cody. Cause we mm-hmm. all know Cody Barton can hit people and he would hit people hard and he has hands. He has hands. And like Francis had two interceptions last year and now look at him. He's, oh, he's in the NFL. So is Cody. Both of them are playing professional football. And I think he saw that and was like, also, why would you not come to Utah when you put, we put the conference high number of players in the NFL draft last year? Especially how many of them were defensive players. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, Utah, Utah's really grown from recruiting. Like, Absolutely. I... I love watching recruiting. Recruiting is like one of my favorite things to like watch because it's like, ooh, it's a big, it's, it's kind of like Cole, Cole really likes sneakers for those of you who don't know. Cole's a sneakerhead. So Cole is to sneakers as I am to recruiting. Like I'm always like, like, look at this. Like we got this. Like that's my thing. And I think Utah's now getting to a point where Utah's a powerhouse in recruiting. Utah, Utah hasn't even played a game this season and we still landed one of the best prospects. In the country. Well, I think, Sammy, if you, if you rewind two or three seasons, no way would Utah 
beat out USC, Oregon, a couple of, you know, Ohio State, Alabama. Are you kidding me? The University of Utah beat those out. And I, I think it has a lot to do with the last two seasons. You know, two back-to-back appearances in the Pac-12 championship, back-to-back Pac-12 South championships, uh, and this latest draft. And not only the latest draft, but what is happening to those players in the NFL Utah is is becoming a defensive U. Yeah. Two of our rookies are on all rookie teams, midseason all rookie teams, Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman. Look at that. Like if they're I just I love that Utah football is in this position where recruiting is is so fun. Recruiting is so fun to watch. Because I will say, like, before these like two years we won like the Pac-12 and stuff, it was rough. It was rough. Like we would be in like the like a kid's top four, top five, and then at the last minute he would, or we'd be in their top three, and then he would commit to like Oregon, which is like mm-hmm. there's still those cases where they do commit to Oregon and stuff. But right. we've talked about this before on the show. I love seeing Utah like when these kids post these graphics with like their top eight, top six, top four, top three, top whatever, and I see the Utah logo with like powerhouses like Oregon and Michigan and Ohio State and Alabama and LSU. When I see a logo, when I see a Utah logo with that, with all those other teams, it makes my heart just go like flutter a little bit because it's so fun to watch. It's so fun to watch these recruit, these coaches, this recruiting cycle. I just love it. One, Sammy, the, the three latest recruits that we've, that we've gotten, you mentioned them already. Each, if those kids will listen to the coaching staff, they will be in the NFL in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. They will. Not even will. a hot take. Not even a hot take. That's not. That's not. That's not a hot take. I would say that is a very reasonable statement. Absolutely, but, and, and I'm so excited. Well, we do have. There's still a little bit of time left in the recruiting cycle. Signing day is coming up in December, but I don't think this Utah class is over. Is done. There's still a couple of guys that the team is after that I think they might be able to lock down. But that's all the time, sadly, we have for today, Dash. But before we go, we just wanted to remind you, we're writing columns now for Sports Pack 12. I actually have a column for Sports Pack 12 coming out soon. So keep your eyes out for that. So check them out on their website, sportspack12.com. Follow them on Twitter at sportspack12. And then while you're on Twitter with that really bad new update, um, hit us up. Follow us on Twitter at Dash Sports TV. You can also follow us on the same handle on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Check out our website, dashsports.tv. I will be back on on Friday with Nathan of Trojan Dash, hopefully previewing a little Utah Trojans matchup. But if not, Cole and I will be back on Sunday. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk. We'll think. Utah fans, this was supposed to be a group ther- therapy session. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, Cool. What do we say to the the good folks on the Twitter atmosphere? Go eats. <laughs>